what kind of fell in line with you to, to, to taking this job? And the Big Ten had a really big part of it. And uh, kind of felt like if you weren't in the Big Ten or, or the SEC, then who knows what you're gonna, where you're going to be in the next two, three years. Hello and welcome to Always College Football. Today is February 15th and we appreciate you being with us from wherever it is you're coming to us from. Whether that's the podcast, anywhere you get your podcast, or if you're here with us via the ESPN YouTube page, please like, rate, and subscribe. Helps us out, helps the show out. We look forward to interacting with you in the comments and we also have appreciated all the different questions you've sent our way for the mailbag. So we're going to get to that today. We have lots of mailbag questions that we want to get to. We're going to get to a few today. And we welcome in one of our favorites, Luke Fickle, the new head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers, is going to be here with us on Always College Football. We're going to talk a little bit about his new offensive philosophy, about what Wisconsin's going to look like under his leadership, the new world that is the Big Ten, abandoning divisions. We're going to hit all these things with Luke Fickle here in just a moment. So we're not going to waste any of your time. We're fired up to have Luke Fickle on the line. So let's get to him by talking about it. So pumped to be joined with the new head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers. I guess it's not new anymore. I mean, at what point are you no longer new, coach? I mean, Coach Luke Fickle of Wisconsin. Have you gotten used to hearing that just yet, coach? No, I, I don't know that. Uh, I don't know that I have. And like you said, what's new? I mean, um, <laughs> you've been here for three or three or so months. It feels like it's been a year, but uh, I guess in my realm, new until my family actually gets settled in and here. Everything seems like it's new to me, so um, that's still a little ways away. But uh, I think that's good. It keeps you keeps you on your toes a little bit more. What a phenomenal place, though, man. I mean, there's I've said it a million times. There's nowhere cooler than Madison. I think it's just such a great spot, and I think you are going to do phenomenal things there. Let's talk about what led to you actually taking the job. I, I think that that's what's most fascinating. You don't seem like the the fit, right? And to a certain extent, it's like, well, they've always kind of followed a certain yep. criteria when identifying a potential next head coach, and, and you didn't necessarily check those boxes, and yet here you are. So what went down when that job became available for you, what made you kind of ultimately lead to becoming the lead candidate and ultimately becoming the guy? Well, I think I think it's kind of both. I mean, I don't know that it was ever one of those ones that you just said like, okay, this is on your list. Like you belong. If ever, you know, for me, if Wisconsin ever comes up, that's where I'd love to go. And right. I don't think they ever said that about me either. Right. I mean, they had <laughs> always kind of had a history and a line ever since coach Alvarez. And I think they've followed it and, and me not being maybe from here or having ties to here or have coached here before does make you kind of an outsider. But I think all those things being said, um, it's kind of like a perfect match and, and timing is so, so important. Uh, I know for me, the connection and, and the, the brief time that I got to know and spend and talk to um, Chris McIntosh, our AD, I think had a, I know it had a real big impact on me and just, you know, I always kind of envision those guys that had played there and been there. And obviously he's unique in the sense that he's an all American first round draft pick and he's the AD. He knows what this fits this place. This is right. him in and out. And, that means something to me that actually he reached out and, and we had a conversation that, you know, in my mind, he believes that this is a really good fit on both sides. And, and, uh, I took that to heart. Well, it's funny coach, because like at first it's like, 
Interesting. And then you kind of dive into the culture side of things and the culture that you built at Cincinnati. It's very much in line with the culture that's been created at Wisconsin. Great development, identifying diamonds in the rough, doing a great job along both lines of scrimmage, tremendous at all three levels defensively. I mean, it's you start to look at it and you're right. It's like it really is a perfect fit, even though I guess early on in the process, all of us were kind of like, wow, right? Um, and then you go and make your coordinator hire in, in Phil Longo. And and all of us, look, we know what Wisconsin is. It's, it's 21 personnel. It's 22 personnel. It's 32 personnel. It's heavy bodies and a downhill A-gap to A-gap rushing attack. And you go out and hire a guy that was the architect of a phenomenal pass-happy offense and leading Drake May into some incredible, incredible games last year at North Carolina. Why Phil Longo and why completely altering the identity of the Wisconsin offense that we've known for the last two decades? Well, I think twofold. I don't think that no matter what, we want to get completely away of what's made them great. And so with that being said, obviously things will look different. Um, Coach Longo and myself, uh, actually almost, I tried to hire him six years ago when we went to Cincinnati and he was at Sam Houston state. And, um, as, as we were doing an interview, he actually got offered the old miss job for like a four or three or four year deal for a boatload of money. And it was like, <laughs> well, you, I guess we're out of this one, but we kept in, in contact and, and built a relationship. And I used to, I went down every year, uh, and spent a couple days with him, uh, when they would kind of do these clinics, you know, kind of the air raid, you know, whole lineage and guys would get together and, and that's really helped, helped me kind of develop the, you know, defensively a little bit of what we were doing, um, listening to those guys, spending some time with those guys. And so that relationship just kind of kept growing year in and year out. And we always had talked about at some point in time, we got to work together and, um, you know, had no idea really. I mean, we always stayed in contact, not like we talked every week or anything like that, but when football questions came up, obviously we always got together at the end of the year. Um, and then when I reached out to him, the very first thing he said to me is my wife's from Wisconsin. And I just kind of chuckled. Like I had no idea. Obviously I've known him, but I didn't know him that well. And um, the thing I knew about it is, is being around him for those last six years and being in, you know, talking ball with them, that great football coaches, really good football coaches understand, you know, not just what it is that they do, but the, what they've got to do with what they want to do. And, right. you know, what makes places great and what gives you opportunities to be successful and guys that can adapt and adjust and, whether you call it an error rate or what he has done, I think that the best thing about it is you know he can adapt and adjust to whatever needs to be done. And uh, so I think the ability to mesh those things together and our true core beliefs about how things are done uh, fall in line. And, uh, you know, so I thought it was I, – I was hoping it was a match, but I didn't really expect that, you know, had his wife not been from Wisconsin, <laughs> um, that maybe it would go this way. But, uh, you know, I'm excited about it. It's a fairly easy sell. I, I got to be honest. Like, if you're selling me on going to Wisconsin, like, I, it's you don't have to twist my arm too too hard, uh, especially knowing that happy wife, uh, happy life. I, I think I looked back at, at Phil Longo back when he was at Sam Houston. There was a point in which I believe he led the FCS in passing one year and he led the FCS in rushing one year. Is that accurate? Can you confirm that he completely changed his system year to year based on the personnel he had? And that to me, coach, is a testament of a tremendous ball coach. So uh, can you confirm that he is one of those guys that can really adapt to the personnel? I don't know if those numbers, it's true, whether one year was passing, one year was rushing. I, I just know from being around him for six years, watching from afar based on the teams that he's had, whether it was at Ole Miss or North Carolina, 
um, that he's had the ability to adapt. I know yeah. being there with all the, so to speak, air raid guys in some of those clinics and hearing them talk, him in particular, talk about how you have to adapt to the things that you need to do and grow. Um, that's where I would have envisioned him as being different than a lot of those other guys. And, uh, you know, but also when you know when you trust somebody and you believe them, you're going to give them an opportunity. Look, I'm not going to pigeonhole you. I'm not going to say, you know, you got to run the ball 42 times a game. You got to look, you're a really good football coach. You got really good football coaches around you. This is what it is we've got. Now we've got to be successful with what we've got as we grow. And um, so I'm interested. I'm excited to get into spring football. I know our guys are as well to kind of see the core values all be the same, you know, but to the surface and to the maybe to the the normal eye out there, it looks a lot different. I'll tell you what also looks a lot different when not one, not two, but I believe by my count, three different high-level quarterback prospects, whether it be by portal or recruiting, are now calling Wisconsin home. I, I, how were you able to convince that many guys to come be a part of your program and and to jump into a competition in which nothing's guaranteed? Well, I, I think uniquely uh, it starts off with the opportunity and and the older guys see an opportunity based on what it is that we've got here. And to be honest with you, I mean, you no, know, everybody wants to talk about quarterbacks and, you know, well, they just, you know, they want to throw the football and they want skill, but you'd be amazed at how many of those guys who were, you know, already played in college. The first question they asked, well, tell me about the offensive line, <laughs> you know, being a quarterback, that might mean a little something to you. Yes. You want to sling the football, but you also don't want to get your head knocked off as well. Yeah. So I think there was a combination of there of, of some of these guys had some, history or some uniqueness, new things about Wisconsin. Um, and then others that were wide open to, you know, maybe, you know, having some relationship or knowing or playing against me when we were at Cincinnati. And then obviously the history of what, you know, Phil and his offensive guys have done um, with the quarterback position. I think all those things kind of came together, but I, I wouldn't sell short that it was anything to do with me that much to do with Phil as it was to do with the culture here and, and in particular the offensive line. Yeah, being upright is helpful uh, when playing the position. <laughs> I can confirm. Uh, defensively, familiar face. Obviously, Coach Tress coming with you from Cincinnati. You guys are going to work hand in hand. Uh, obviously, what's been done defensively there for a handful of years under Jimmy has been really, really good. Uh, what you guys have done traditionally, a little different than what maybe Jimmy had done. But how? I guess how will Wisconsin look different defensively as far as structure is concerned in 2023 and beyond? Not as different. I think this is where I think um, it takes really, really good football coaches as well, right? I mean, Coach Tress coming in, I said, look, the challenge is to look and see and to study what it is that they've done because they've been really, really good at it. And not to think that just because we've done something different that it's better. So our ability to figure out and, and assess the personnel, use what it is that they've done, and, and then build upon that. So it, it's it's been a little bit more of a challenge for us defensively in the last two months than it is even offensively because those sure. they're coming in offensively, kind of talking about what it is that they want to do, um, putting things on paper of what they've done in the past. Uh, defensively, we're really trying to study what it is that they've done and Jim has done um, I did when, when he was here. Obviously, we're still doing it when he's not here. Uh, and then trying to mesh a lot of things together because what it is that they've done and they've been really successful with is using the personnel that they got. Yeah. And I think that where we were a little bit different is we didn't have the same personnel. And so some of the uniqueness of these outside linebackers that they've been so fortunate to have here, whether it's you go back to the TJ Watts of the world and 
and but really using their personnel the best way possible. And so we've got a we've got a challenge defensively of, of you know they've been really successful and the guys believe in what it is that they've done and the ability to kind of mesh those things together. But it's closer than people probably would have thought. You know, thinking that hey, well, you guys were a three-three or whatever you were in the three-down, and they were a four-down with two outside linebackers and you know a three-four defense and base, and so it's completely different. When reality, it's a little bit closer than than uh, than probably people think. Well, why is it that Wisconsin of all places is always able? To, it's like you guys have edge defenders that grow on trees. It's like hey, one guy's out, next guy's in, and he's some heavy-handed dude that can convert run to pass in like no time whatsoever. I I don't know how you do it, but there's something about that place where you always seem to have that guy. So it sounds like he's going to be a fixture in your defense as well. There's no doubt. And I and they've done a phenomenal job at recruiting those guys, whether they were in-state guys. You know, you take the TJ Watts of the world. You know, some of those guys are just really kind of bigger, longer athletes. You get some of these guys here, especially in the state, that play three sports. So they're not yeah. fully developed when they walk out of high school. And, you know, maybe they're a 6'3", 6'4", 210-pound guy, but in two more years – they're 245, 250, 260. They can kind of do b- multiple things on the edges, and, and they got that something in between the uh, ears that allows them to even play better than, uh, than what you might naturally think they can do. Yeah, it's amazing. It's so fun to watch that group, and it always has been. I know it will be uh, under your leadership as well. Camp Randall is, of course, a unique place. Uh, your experiences, do you have just a horror story? of having played there or been there as a coach that just is it's nightmares. But now knowing that they're going to be on your side, it kind of makes you, makes you feel a little warm and bubbly inside. No, and that's true. Cause I've told them, look, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I didn't like the place, right? I, I didn't like the end of the third quarter <laughs> Which is the when best I was on the other sideline. Yeah. It's the best thing you could say about a place. There's no doubt. I mean, there was, I, I tell, I don't know if I've told coach Alvarez, but I said, I've kind of, I, I didn't like him only because I respected him so much. And we were, I thought from afar, you're like, you're really similar. And I kind of use the same example of, I got a, I got a really good buddy that, you know, a lot of people say, Oh, he, he's a great guy. And I'm like, well, no, no, <laughs> unless you really know him and you're best friends with him, or I'm not sure you'd say that, but I think it's kind of that same mutual respect. And that's what I loved about the places, you know, from the, from afar or from the other sideline, you just respected what it is that they did, whether it was a football team or even the, the, you know, the, the atmosphere here at camp Randall. So, I've been on the other side. I've been, unfortunately, in the box when it was shaking, and I wasn't quite sure I was safe. Um, to to be in a down there, back down on the sidelines. I've had quite a few battles here, and I'm I'm excited to be on the other side of them. I have tremendous faith in the structural engineering there at Camp Randall. I think <laughs> no matter what, no matter how much it's shaking, I'm up in there in the booth as well. Like you're good. I feel good about it. It's a great school. Uh, transitioning just a little bit to bigger picture, big 10, you're back in the league. You know, it so well, like the back of your hand, you've long recruited the league. You, you know what the league has been like in its current form, but the league's changing drastically. Divisions are going away. Two new members are coming in. Where do you see the league going and and where does where does Wisconsin fit in what will be a new look Big Ten? Well, I think that's probably one of those other things that we didn't talk about. And say, hey, what kind of fell in line with you to to, to taking this job? And the Big Ten had a really big part of it, and uh, kind of felt like if you weren't in the Big Ten or or the SEC, then who knows what you're gonna where you're gonna be in the next two three years? I just see the Big Ten continuing to move in that direction, um, whether it's expanding, growing, you know, adding more teams. I mean, yes, there's going to be a completely 
different look as, you know, some of the West Coast teams come in, you get rid of divisions. But I think all in all, you just, you know, what kind of brand, what kind of style of football. And uh, I think it's going to continue to grow. And that's where the next three or four years in college football, I, nobody can predict what it's going to look like, to be honest with you. Let's, <laughs> with anything, whether they're leagues, whether they're playoffs, I know we have this plan and things like that. But as this evolution happens, um, you know this, you want to be in the Big Ten. You want to be possibly a part of that SEC. And, and as this thing grows, um, it's going to be exciting. I was looking ahead and... I know just what you want to talk about is like non-conference games in 24, but I couldn't help myself. I'm looking ahead at like some of the non-conference games that are going to be coming up in the various leagues. And Alabama's coming to Camp Randall in a couple of years. And and the idea that you guys, and you, I looked well beyond 24, I mean, you guys have some unbelievable non-conference matchups. Your administration's done an incredible job of providing compelling home-and-home atmospheres and have been doing it for years, even when they were playing at Lambeau against LSU. So when you think about what your scheduling philosophy would be, if they come to you, Coach Fickle, and ask you, hey, who do you want to play? You know, what do you want our non-conference to look like? How would you like for it to lay out? I'm not sure I would have picked Alabama. I'm not sure that would have been the first one. Like, hey, I don't think that that was brought up when I was talking about uh, taking the job or looking into it. And people would even ask, like, do you know who you guys play? And I'm like, no, that had no bearing on, you know, envisioning, hey, where you're, where you're going. And to be sure. honest with you, the first four years at Cincinnati, I never said a word about scheduling. Like, look, I got other things to do. If I'm start over there worrying about scheduling, trying to maneuver things, I'm probably losing track of, you know, what's going to give us a chance to be successful and great. And we know those things are done a ways in advance. I don't know what the best look's going to be, to be honest with you. As the league grows, you know, whether you're playing nine in-conference opponents – Look, we all want matchups. As they expand the playoffs, I think it's going to give everybody that better idea of saying, okay, now let's go ahead and challenge ourselves early in the season. We know our league schedule is going to be phenomenal, but we don't have to envision that, oh, the only way you're going to have a chance to make this is if you go undefeated. Because if you think like that, then it, it does become a little bit more right. difficult to say, hey, what do we really want to do? Do we really want to challenge ourselves? Do we want to find out early in the season where we are so that we can grow? Um, I, so I'm not saying I picked that. I'm not saying I would pick that, but I envision, look, we're going to have a great league schedule. We need to challenge ourselves early in the year to find out where we are. Uh, cause if you don't know where you are, you don't know what you need to do to grow. Yeah, I think it's it's the way to approach it. A twelve team, hey, nine and three gets in, especially if you play a gauntlet, and you guys certainly will yeah. in the Big Ten. Finally, coach, as you prepare for spring football, getting ready to put your fingerprints on your first Wisconsin team, what do you want to learn in the next three months before you let the guys go for summer? Well, we've got a few. We still got we still in our phase one. We've got uh, we've got about five weeks or four weeks until we even get to spring football. So we still got some things we're trying to learn right now. Once we get to spring football, uh, you know, I had the good fortunes of being there for a month and seeing you know the bowl practice and the bowl game and things like that. Uh, but the uniqueness, what more than anything, as we get through spring ball, I want to see how well we can play together. Yeah. I think on, and I mean that in all three phases. We're going to challenge each other. Um, spring football. Now, I don't. Again, once you've been in a program for a few years, sometimes your springs are a little bit different. Sometimes when you got an older quarterback, your springs are a little bit different. Um, sometimes you don't tackle. Sometimes you don't go live. This is going to be a spring where we got to find out what we got. We're not going to wait till you know the first week of fall um, to really find out what it is that we've got. So I think that's a little bit unique. 
uh, the ability to see, hey, can we really compete with each other? And then can we really kind of come together as one and understand the difference with that healthy competition that that I think is so critical in developing, you know, in enhancing the culture to what you got that really kind of gives you a chance to be successful throughout the season. So it's going to be a little different, I think, maybe than what their springs have been in the past, not because of length, not because of anything other than, hey, we got to find out a lot about ourselves. And the only way you can do that is by playing the game and, and playing it live in some situations. Well, I know this for fact, having played, and you know this as well. For those guys, the message in the locker room, this is the hardest spring ever. I, it's all, <laughs> you want to know why? Because it's this spring. <laughs> spring football in general is difficult. Coach, yep. we're so fired up for you, man. We're so excited. It's going to be so fun to watch this new look Wisconsin organization. I think you're going to do phenomenal, and we can't wait to see you guys coming up here in the spring, and we look forward to following you into the summer end of the fall camp. Well, I appreciate it, Greg. You know you're more than welcome out here anytime. Uh, I'll be there in the summer. We can <laughs> we can go tee it up anytime you want or go out on the lake. I'm great with that. The invitation, you guys all heard it. It was just extended. You got it. <laughs> See you, Coach. Thanks, Greg. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, great visit with Coach Fickle. Love what he's going to do with Wisconsin. Can't wait to see what they're going to look like, man. I have no idea. Your guess is as good as mine. It sounds like he's trying to figure that out as well. But like we always do, we want to get to our mailbag. We love you guys interacting with us on our social media feeds. That's always CFB on both Instagram and on Twitter. And we very much appreciate all the emails that you've sent in. We've gotten so many in the last couple of weeks. And we look forward to continuing to get to your questions on a daily basis. So. Continue doing that. Always college football at gmail.com. So kick it off, Coops. All right. First one comes from Paul. He asks, we know Ohio State and Michigan are very good and that Penn State can make and win a Rose Bowl. But for some reason, people don't look at the Big Ten as a, quote, great conference. Are Wisconsin and Nebraska the key teams for the Big Ten to become on equal footing with the SEC? See, I, I disagree with that sense because I look at the Big Ten. Now, you guys have listened to this show, watched the show. Can anyone beat anyone in any given week? Like that, to me, is an identifier of a really competitive league. And I've seen Purdue knock off Ohio State. I've seen Northwestern give Ohio State all they want. I've seen upsets that are abound on an annual basis in the Big Ten. So while... Yes, maybe in recent years, Wisconsin hasn't been quite as consistent as you would like. Doesn't mean that it's a reflection on the entire league. I think right now, so much of people's perception is going to be based on how you play in a playoff setting. 
And I think Ohio State and Michigan, for that matter, have left a little to be desired in a playoff setting. Now, Michigan, obviously, the last two years in the playoffs, not great performances in either outing. Ohio State was this close to probably winning a national championship if they connect on a 40-yard field goal in the Peach Bowl there against Georgia. So I I think that people are going to draw conclusions based on how you perform in the biggest games. And if the Big Ten has not fared super well in the playoff, people are going to draw conclusions on where the league is as a whole. But when you really look at it week to week, there's been really quality competition across the board. Yes, last year, Michigan State slightly down from what we thought they might be. Yes, last year, maybe Wisconsin slightly down from what we thought they might be. Yes, last year, Nebraska down considerably from where many of us thought they might be able to bounce back to, and they've been down for quite a while. Yes, Iowa struggled offensively at times in recent years, but we've also seen Iowa beat many, many good teams over the course of the last few seasons. So I'm still have a ton of respect for the league from top to bottom and believe actually in the upside of a lot of different programs. I think Maryland's got really good football that they're looking at here in the next year or two. I really, really, really am bullish with where Purdue might continue to go under a new head coach. Illinois took a significant step forward this year. Yes, had a couple missteps, but Illinois under Brett Bielema took a significant step. So I am really optimistic about the future of the current Big Ten members, and then you look at the addition of USC and UCLA starting in 24, I think the Big Ten is going to be really well positioned across the board to provide really competitive matchups on a week-to-week basis. All right, the next question comes from Sean. He said, what would be the bigger surprise? Two different Big Ten teams winning national championships in consecutive years or the SEC missing the national championship game in consecutive years. I think the bigger surprise would be two national championship winners in consecutive years. Because right now, the the Big Ten, with the exception of 2014, hasn't really gotten that close. And you can say, well, Ohio State got to the national championship. Yes, they did. And it didn't go well for them back in the 2020 season. Yes, there have been plenty of examples of Big Ten teams get into the playoff, but they haven't fared great, like we just alluded to, in those matchups. I think when you look at it, it really needs to come down to seeing them take the next step. Now, is it likely that Georgia, based on where their program's at right now, is it likely that they would lose in the semifinal setting? No, but it was also unlikely that Michigan would lose in the semifinal setting last year against TCU. So upsets have happened. They've just been fewer and farther between. I think the SEC obviously is excellent. They've fared very well in matchups against counterparts in semifinal games. They've been excellent. They've been really, really good. But upsets happen. One thing that doesn't happen is winning consecutive games against top-quality competition. And as we move forward into a 12-team format, you're going to have to win three games, or in some cases, four games, to win the national championship. So I think winning back-to-back with two separate teams is something that would be very hard at this point to predict for the Big Ten. Ohio State, I think, could do it. I think Michigan could do it. I think Penn State this year, 
I wouldn't be shocked if they did it. And SC, with where Lincoln Riley has that program going, who knows? Maybe they'll be well-positioned when they enter the league to compete immediately for national championships. But still, either way, considering how little success they've had in recent years, it'd be very hard to envision a game or a, a consecutive run of champions with two different schools from one specific league. All right, one more here. This one was just added. Tim wants to know, what do you make of the Notre Dame OC search and what happened with Andy Ludwig? Well, a lot of people discussing Andy Ludwig's situation with respect to the contractual buyout. What I'm trying to figure out, and I don't have the answers. This is purely speculative, all right? I'm not an agent. I don't have contracts. I read the same articles that you guys do. I have a few sources that maybe some other people might not have, might, might not have but uh, ultimately... I don't understand how you get this far down the road and not have the contractual buyout language figured out. Now, is there more to the story? Perhaps. Did Notre Dame ultimately decide, you know, maybe the juice isn't worth the squeeze with Andy Ludwig? Maybe Marcus Freeman had a change of heart philosophically overnight that led to them not being too aggressive as far as getting Andy Ludwig out of his contract. I don't know what the circumstances were, but I don't like the optics that it puts out. Because it makes you seem, hang on a second, they're not willing to pay that for the guy that they wanted? I mean, that's a drop in the bucket at most places. Now, maybe they're being you know, fiscally responsible, which, by the way, would be a breath of fresh air in college football. I think that would be, that would be unique in college football if someone was actually responsible from their finances from a financing standpoint. But either way, I, I just don't like that it got this far down the road, assuming it did based on the information that we have available to us and they didn't have the buyout figured out. I don't know where they're going to go, but whoever's coaching at Notre Dame next year at offensive coordinator steps into a pretty good situation with Sam Hartman. So I still think it's a very advantageous spot for the Irish because they have a good quarterback. They have quality pieces from a personnel standpoint. It's going to be plug and play with the OC. Just depends on what style of offense they want to run. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We really appreciate you being with us on a Wednesday edition of Always College Football. Please like, rate, and subscribe. It helps us out, and it helps the show out as well. Continue to hit us up in our mailbag, alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com. Ask us anything. We can go anywhere. I don't care if you want to discuss South Alabama's non-conference schedule next year. Send us a question. I'm great with that because the Jags look like they got some good pieces returning for Kane Womack. I'm just using that as an example. Take it anywhere. If you want us to talk about your favorite team, ask us. Do so. Alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com or on our social media at alwayscfb on both Instagram and on Twitter. For Jack Foster and Mark Kubiak, I'm Greg McElroy. We hope you have a wonderful day, and remember, it's always college football. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.